This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. silence steals my voice you understand me you understand me come to me in the valley of unknown you understand me you understand me you understand me God you understand me, so I throw all my cares before you, my doubts and fears don't scare you, you're bigger than I thought you were, you're bigger than I thought, so I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought you were. I believe, but help my unbelief. You understand me, you understand me, help me reach the faith that's underneath, you understand me, you understand me, you understand me God, you understand me. So I throw all my cares before you, my doubts and fears don't scare you, you're bigger than I thought you were, you're bigger than I thought, so I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation, you're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought you were. I will rest in the Father's hands. Leave the rest. In the Father's hands, I will rest 
in the Father's hands. Leave the rest in the Father's hands. I will rest in the Father's hands. Leave the rest in my Father's hands. I will Doubts and fears don't scare you. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought. So I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation. You're bigger than I thought you were. 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 Isaiah 55, 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Isaiah 40, 28 says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. I will rest in the Father's hands. Leave the rest in the Father's hands. I will rest in the Father's hands. Leave the rest in my Father's hands. And I throw all my cares before you. My doubts and fears don't scare you. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought. So I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought you were. Thank you, Darren, and I hope that we can really do that, that we can just rest in Him and throw all of our, our cares on Him. Well, if you want to go ahead and grab your, your Bibles, we're going to be uh, John chapter 3 and also Matthew chapter 7, so you'll want to just uh, be prepared. We'll be reading a few verses from those two places Last week, we began a new series of messages entitled, Bless This Mess. And I left you with an assignment, and I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but I probably should. I asked that <clears throat> if you completed it, I asked that whenever you saw a mess, in other words, a person that maybe had made a mess of their finances or 
a mess of their marriage or a mess of their moral life or they had become a mess because of their addictions or they just even had a mess in their front yard, before you judge them, before you criticize them and said all those things that you typically say about them, your assignment was to quietly whisper under your breath, I know a mess when I see one because I am one. Or if that was too complicated for you, I said just use the playground version that we used to say as kids, it takes one to know one. It takes a mess to know a mess. And that, that assignment uh, was in response to where we established the fact that uh, we were in the past are, and still are in the present and will be messes in the future. In fact, I use the term, remember, hot mess. Uh, my hot mess may not be your hot mess. Your hot mess may not be my hot mess. But I think it's safe to say that all of us have some type of mess going on in our lives. For some of you, it's a relationship mess. You're at odds with somebody. It's a mess. For some of you, it's a financial mess. For some of you, it's a health mess. For some of you, uh, it's a work mess or an addiction mess. All of us, from the most immature Christian to the greatest saint around, without exception, we have some type of mess going on in our lives. Now, our messes are not always our fault. Sometimes our messes come about because of a fallen world. Bad things do happen to good people. Sometimes life isn't fair. Have you discovered that? Sometimes life stinks. But probably more times than not, we have played a pretty big part in creating the messes in our lives. Maybe we ignored our conscience. Maybe we ignored our parents. Maybe we ignored the law. We ignored our spouse. We ignored the Bible. We ignored warning signs from our body that didn't like the way we were treating it. Many times we even ignored ourselves. There was something inside of us that was screaming, don't do this, don't call him, don't call her, don't go there, don't buy that, don't click on that, don't look at that, don't drink that, don't smoke that, don't say that but we did anyway. And the result was a hot mess. But here's the great truth that we're going to discover today, and that is where the title comes in. This is the good news about your mess. You ready for some good news? Your mess has the potential to bring you near to God. In fact, I read a statement, and, and I've adapted it a little bit. I don't know who made the statement originally to give credit to them, but, but here's the statement that I adapted. The mess that brings us here is the mess that brought God near. The, the mess that brings us here is the mess that brought God near. And I've heard several of you talk about that. For some of you, <clears throat> your business crashed. And so it was a financial mess that brought you to God. For others of you, you told me that it was a health mess. You found out you had cancer or, or, <clears throat> or something else, and that brought you near to God. Others of you, it was a marriage mess. That brought you near to God. So the mess that brings us here is the mess that brought God near. Now, the most famous verse in the Bible is what? Let me back up a little bit. It's probably the second most famous. <clears throat> Excuse me. I think the most famous verse today is, is 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 23. 
You know what that is? Take a little wine for the stomach's sake. I'm, I'm serious. People love that verse. They don't know the context of it. But even people who don't go to church, they quote that verse and they base their actions on that verse. But besides that verse, probably the next most famous verse would be John 3.16. You know it. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son or only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. So God so loved the messy world that God sent His only Son into this messy world to save us from eternal punishment. But then the verse that follows John 3.16 is, is equally as good and nobody ever holds up this verse at ball games. But they should. Here it is. For God did not send his son into the world to, let's say this word together, to condemn the world. And this is huge. But to save the world. Wow. Jesus didn't come into the world to to get into the faces of all of the messy people and say, do you realize what a mess you've made of your marriage or what a mess you've made of your reputation or what a mess you've made of your family? But God sent Jesus into this world not to condemn messy people like us that have overspent, overeaten, overreacted, but undercommitted to God. Jesus did not come to condemn people like us But he came to love us and rescue us from eternal punishment. Would you say amen? Amen. This is so vividly illustrated in the New Testament. One day Jesus was in the temple teaching and there was a commotion outside on the temple mount. The Pharisees and all the teachers of the law were dragging a poor woman across the ground. They were shouting at her, accusing her of committing adultery. And you've heard this story if you grew up in church You've heard the story even if you didn't grow up in church. And as it turns out, the accusation was justified. It was not just a false rumor. The woman was guilty, and it was like Cedar County. Everybody knew what she had done. And the church leaders felt that they had to make a statement against behavior like this, and so they were ready to carry out the punishment recommended by the church bylaws, which back then was to stone her to death. So they all had big rocks in in, in their hands. They were ready to let them fly and make an example out of this horrible sinner. But as Jesus walked up to this woman, instead of throwing a stone at the lady, he threw a curve to the church leaders. And he said to this woman who had made a total mess out of her life, he, he said, look at me, look at me, because probably she was too embarrassed to look anywhere except at the dirt. He said, look at me. I do not, do you remember the word Jesus used? I do not condemn you. In other words, he said, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. You, You deserve to be stoned. That's the law. You were sleeping around. You were making a fool out of yourself. You were making a fool out of your family. You deserve death. But I'm not going to condemn you to death as the law recommends. Rather simply, I'm going to just ask you to stop doing what you're doing and turn your life around. So based on this account, fast forward 2,000 years, what do you think Jesus might say to us today? I think he would tell us the same thing. He would tell us whatever sin you're committing, I don't condemn you. 
But I think he would go ahead and say, but you need to stop. If you're sleeping around, you need to stop. If you're enslaved to addictions, you need to stop. If you're living in a fantasy world of pornography, you need to stop. I think he would tell us, I don't condemn you, but you need to quit gossiping and and running people down. And I don't condemn you, but you need to get out of your lifestyle of sin. On another occasion, Jesus was walking with a large crowd, and he looked up, and there was a tax collector in a tree. First time he had ever seen that. Actually, Scripture doesn't tell us this, but that's not a common sight. And I, I, I wonder if at the bottom of that tree were Zacchaeus's bodyguards. I mean, tax collectors were so hated, and I wonder if they had to surround themselves with bodyguards. But Zacchaeus had to be so lonely and miserable, he had a lot of money but zero friends. And, and I was wondering if, and so I wonder if he was thinking, could Jesus help me out of my mess? And so in his desperation to get a glimpse of Jesus, because he was vertically challenged, Zacchaeus climbs a sycamore tree where he knows Jesus will walk under. And his heart had to be beating so fast as Jesus got closer and closer. And finally, Jesus walked under the tree. And would you believe Jesus stopped? Looked up into the tree. Looked at this mess of a man. And he said, Zacchaeus, come down because we're going to your house today. We could probably sing a song about that. And behind closed doors, Jesus looked at Zacchaeus and said, I want you to leave your life of sin and follow me. But Zacchaeus, and we need to listen to this, you can't just sweep everything under the rug because you've cheated a lot of people out of money that that you call tax money. And that's brought hardship on families with small kids. It's brought hardship on single moms. It's brought hardship on widows with limited incomes. And so Zacchaeus, if you're truly going to turn your life around, I want you to pay these people back, but not just pay them back the principal. You need to pay them back with interest. Zacchaeus, none of this stuff of saying, well, if I've hurt you, if I've harmed you, if I've cheated you, please forgive me. You know, that's what we do. We don't like to admit and say, I was a jerk, I hurt you, I wronged you, I was dishonest with you, I lied to you. Instead, we say, if, if maybe perchance I hurt you, if maybe I offended you a little bit, please forgive me. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, you've been dishonest. You've been unethical. You've made life tough for a lot of people. And so I want you to go back and admit that to them, apologize to them, pay them back, and don't forget the interest. And the Bible tells us that Zacchaeus did exactly that. In fact, do you want to know how genuine his conversion really was? Not did he just pay the principal... Not did he just pay the interest required by law. He went way, way, way above that. The Bible said he paid four times the amount. Is that 400% interest? Wow. So, from this account with Zacchaeus, what would Jesus tell us today? 
The same thing he told Zacchaeus. He would tell us, I don't care how unpopular you are because of the terrible things you've done. He would tell us, follow me. But I believe he would also add, if you've wronged people, go make it right. Don't just say, well, if I've hurt you, you know, if I've offended you. No, go back to them, say, I was wrong. I was dishonest. I was a jerk. And pay them back with interest. It's so quiet here. One more instance that shows us how Jesus came into the world not to condemn us, rather to save us. Jesus was walking with his disciples in the heat of the day. It was blisteringly hot. They stopped at a well. His disciples went into the little town of Sychar to get some food. While they were gone during the day, time of day when no one should be out, a woman comes to the well to get some water, and because the disciples have run to town, it's just Jesus and this woman, and, and this woman whose life was a mess didn't expect Jesus to say anything to her. He's a Jew, she's a Samaritan. So in her mind, game over, there would be no conversation with him, just awkwardness because the Jews felt they were better than Samaritans. Jewish men would not stoop to converse with a Samaritan woman, but Jesus quickly says to this woman, it's obvious you're coming to get some water. But did you know that the water you draw from this well will not quench your thirst long-term? But lady, I have some water, some living water that will quench your thirst for all of eternity. And, and lady, your race doesn't matter. matter. Your gender doesn't matter. The color of your skin doesn't matter. The living water is for all, so follow me. And then Jesus said, oh, by the way, where, where's your husband? And can I imagine, and I can just imagine that she starts clearing her throat, <clears throat> trying to think of what to say. And she finally blurts out, well, Master, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, I know that. I know you messed up your marriage. I also know you messed up somebody else's marriage. In fact, you've messed up several marriages. You've been married a bunch of times, five times, which back then was a lot. It's still a lot today. <laughs> but, but lady, not only <clears throat> have you had five failed marriages, but you're currently living with someone that you're not married to. But I've not come to condemn you. I have this living water that will satisfy you. It, it, it's obvious that you just keep looking for fulfillment in the wrong places and follow me and you will find the peace that you've been looking for. And, and again, from this account, what would Jesus tell us today? Same thing he told the woman. I think he would tell us to make sure we take marriage seriously. I think he would tell us, hey, living together outside of marriage is wrong. Plus, I think he would add to those of us in Cedar County that are a bit prejudiced, I think he would tell us, quit looking down on those with a different color of skin. Quit looking down on other races. Because under Christ, we're all the same. And the amazing thing that I don't want you to miss from all of these accounts is in the life of Jesus is that no matter how messy your life is, no matter how much of it is your fault, and that no matter how 
no matter you lied and then had to tell another lie to get out of the first lie and then had another lie, had to tell another lie to get out of that lie and you dug your hole deeper and deeper and deeper. What I don't want you to miss is this. What Jesus offered these messy people, the adulterous lady, the cheating tax collector, the oft-married woman at the well, the same thing he offered them is the same thing he offers you, which is himself. Jesus doesn't offer us a free get-out-of-our-mess card. That's what we want. You know, we want a God that's kind of like a divine AAA where we make the call to God, He shows up, fixes our mess, we go on our merry way, we thank Him, and He goes back to heaven. Hey, look up here a second. Your heavenly Father loves you way too much to do it that way. Because his goal for you is not to simply get you out of your mess. It's much bigger than that. Here's what our Heavenly Father wants. Just like any earthly father wants a relationship with his children, so does our Heavenly Father want a relationship with his children. Good, loving fathers don't just want kids to be able to say, well, I have two kids, or I have five kids. The joy of an earthly father is not being able to say, well, we have kids, Our joy is to be able to have a relationship with our kids. And don't take this wrongly. But I would much rather have children that might mess up on occasion, but would love me and spend, want to spend time with me than to, have, than to have perfect children that have never messed up, but they didn't care about me, nor did they want any kind of relationship with me. And yes, behavior is important. The Apostle John, he he writes, uh, he says, I write these things so that we might not sin. God does not want his children to live a lifestyle where they're sin. But but our Heavenly Father wants more than just children that are good boys and good girls that follow the rules. He wants an ongoing relationship with us. And that's more than an event. Sometimes we make that an event. We say, well, I got saved. I came forward when I was a little kid. I I was baptized and you know what? He wants us to know Him, follow Him, imitate Him, build our lives on His eternal foundation for the rest of our lives. Please understand that. Jesus didn't just come to get us saved or just to get us baptized or just to get us out of our mess. It's so much bigger than that. Jesus illustrated that in the great sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, 26. I mean, you you remember this scripture. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. And I think a lot of people have done that. They've built their finances or their marriage or their dating relationship on something that doesn't last. And so they find themselves in a mess where things seem to be crashing down on them and And invariably, invariably, because that's the human nature, they will put a call into God, the divine AAA. God, help me, fix it, change the tire, start the car, put some gas in the tank, help me to get back on the road again so I can keep doing my thing. But God knows that the best thing for us many times is not a quick fix. Because if God just gave us a quick fix every time, guess what? We wouldn't learn. We would repeat the same mistakes. We would be back in the same situation and nothing flat. 
we need to realize that doing our own thing is generally what brings the mess. Because be honest, isn't it true that when we mess, when, when you made a mess out of your life, when I made a mess out of our li- my life, whenever we made a mess out of our lives, we probably ignored our conscience. We ignored the Bible. We talked ourselves into doing something we knew was wrong. We ignored what was healthy for our body. But when we finally begin to understand that what is best is not just a quick fix to our mess, what we really need is an ongoing relationship with our Heavenly Father, then we're finally beginning to build our house on the solid foundation that Matthew chapter 7, 24 talks about. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, that's the key, puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. So, Jesus is inviting us to a lifetime of following him where we build our lives, everything. Our finances. By the way, did you know that what you call yours is not yours? It's his. But God allows us to manage it. But he wants us to manage his finances on his foundation. He wants us to build our relationships on His foundation. He wants us to build our marriage on His foundation. And by the way, He even wants us to build our recreation on His foundation. Every area of our life needs to be built on the firm foundation of Jesus. So, here's the bottom line for today. I don't want you to miss this. You may not like this, but you need to hear this. You ready? Are you ready? You cannot pray your way out of a mess that you have behaved your way into. I told you you wouldn't like it. You cannot pray or confess your way out of a mess that you've behaved your way into. There's no silver bullet. There's no magic prayer. There's no genie in a bottle. You cannot pray your way out of a mess you have behaved your way into. But thank God you can follow Jesus out. As you invite him, Jesus will meet you in your mess. And he doesn't condemn you, even if it is your fault. He just tells you to follow him. You see, the only reason you've heard of Matthew, the only reason there is a gospel of Matthew is because one day Jesus walked up to a tax collector's booth, looked at Matthew the sinner, Matthew the mess, and said, I want you to follow me. And Matthew did. The only reason we've heard of Zacchaeus is because one day Jesus looked up at Zacchaeus perched in that sycamore tree and Jesus said Zacchaeus you are a big mess in a vertically challenged body but I'm asking you to come down from that tree and follow me and he did the only reason we've heard about the woman at the well is because one day she met Jesus and and Jesus said to her woman with woman with five different husbands marriage destroyer currently living with someone else Jesus said, I don't condemn you. 
but stop what you're doing. Follow me. And she did. And the only thing that will really matter with you and me is will we make that same decision to follow Jesus? That's all that matters. The messes you've gotten yourself into, the messes that came to you because of a fallen world, you can't go back and change the past, but you can change the future. You can build your life on the solid rock of Christ Jesus. And so, um, what I want to leave you with today is what part of your life needs to change so that it's built on the foundation of Christ? I mean, think about the areas of your life. Are, are your finances glorifying God? Or are, are you spending your resources wisely? Do I dare ask this question? Are you giving God his tithe? How about your marriage? Are you treating your spouse with love and compassion? Or are you manipulating and controlling and being harsh? How about your kids? Or your grandkids? Are you being a godly leader and parent? What part of your life needs to change so that it is built on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ? Lord, I know by virtue of the fact that we kind of braid the slick roads, I, I, I'm preaching to the choir. Lord, many people here, they're closer to God than I'll ever be, more godly than I'll ever be. They're, some of them, I look at them and I just say they are true saints of God. And, but Lord, probably all of us have some areas where we need maybe make a few tweaks Lord those areas of our lives where maybe we're not totally building on the solid foundation of Jesus I pray that um, you would help us to make those changes this week Father you want a relationship we, we've made Christianity an event saved and baptized but Father help us to understand that Christianity is not a one-time event there is that crisis event thankfully where you come and you instantly forgive us of our sins you you cleanse us but then father you want that ongoing relationship just as you told the woman at the well just as you told Zacchaeus just as you told that lady on the temple mount that had been caught in the very act of of adultery how embarrassing but just as you told them you know I don't condemn you but I'm going to ask you to follow me and that's not a one-time event but that's a lifetime and so Lord I pray that our lives from the moment we get up to the moment we crawl in bed and then the hours during the night when maybe our minds are going around and around and we can't sleep I pray that everything 24 hours a day Lord that we would just be building our thoughts our actions our reactions our lives on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ and so Lord I pray that you would help us this week let us truly truly make sure that we're honoring you 
So Lord, uh, thank you again for your word. Thank you for the songs, the praises, the prayers that have been prayed. And we're going to go to Sunday school now, be with our Sunday school teachers that have prayed, they prepared, they're ready. Lord, as uh, we slip slide home, protect us and others come in for the next service, give protection. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be in your house today. We love coming together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, our family, the family of God. Lord, do we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.